York, New York, big city of dreams. I'm talking, talking, I'm talking straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. What's going on? This is Jay Ellis from the Nick of Time show. Here give you that Nick's talk just in the Nick of Time. And it's time to celebrate a victory in MSG South. You heard those Knicks fans out there, all right? Because the Knicks beat the Magic in a close one. 102-298. Julius Randle gives you 22 points. 14 rebounds and six assists. Handle that rookie. He's like, I don't care who the future. I am right now. All right. Brunson comes in in the clutch, handles the fourth quarter and drops 25 points, five assists, and two steals. Emmanuel quickly, Godson, him gives you 18 points, four assists three rebounds and solidifies the bench. RJ Barrett gives you a struggle 15, but a 15 nonetheless. The Bob Mom played really bad for the first few quarters, but turns it on in the fourth. So shout out to RJ Barrett and the Knicks take care of the match. This team is a different team with faults on this team we didn't play any faults last time but faults made a difference but it didn't matter for this team because we were down the entire game and then took over the fourth and you know what the knicks they've been in these clutch situations all year round and they were able to do it again to shout out to these knicks because this is not a, a small win because we really needed this win considering we don't have Mitchell Robinson. We're playing the 76ers once again, and these winnable games need to be put away. The Knicks actually win a clutch game, so shout out to these Knicks, all right? Let's talk about it. All right, before I talk about it, first, shout out to FUBU TV. If you go to fubutv.com slash KOT, you can get the Knicks for free on MSG for seven days. All right, on FUBU TV, you can watch the Knicks and the other cable channel, any of the sports channel. You can actually record shows and there's no subscription, so you can stop whenever you want. So shout out to FUBU TV. And also please hit that like and subscribe if you feel in the KOT show. Now, let's introduce my guys. First and foremost, it is the man, the myth, the legend who's in the building, the guy with the stats and the facts. Grindy G's in the building. My voice might be kind of effed up because I'm kind of on, on the sixth side. But yeah, you know, Knicks won tonight. Big win in Orlando, like Jay Ellis said. MSG South because Knicks fans were out. Oh, he's and outside. Yeah, we was outside in Orlando. So basically, basically outside of Florida, period. But yeah. <laughs> Good. Exactly. Exactly. Outside of Florida Pier. You heard those you heard the chants. You heard the OB chants in Orlando. It was crazy. I was like, wow. I think Raw and them went to the game today. So that might have been Raw and those guys if you heard chants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I love it. that was that. <laughs> 
Alright, of course you already know. It is the Latin Assassin ESPN contributor, posting and toasting contributor, SNY contributor, Deadspin contributor. My man Lee Escobedo, what's going on, Lee? Yo, pitch for Timmy. You know who's outside? Tom Thibodeau's outside. Let's go. <laughs> Great coaching game by my man Tom Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Not even props, man. No hate, no slander. If you don't criticize him, you gotta compliment him. He coached a hell of a day tonight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He made adjustments today. He was not playing yep. in the fourth quarter. He was like, you know what? Um, we're up three. We're going to foul. Uh, you know what? We have a guy at the foul line and we need this rebound to win the game. Let's put in all the big men at the same time to secure the rebound. And he did just that. So shout out to Tom Thibodeau who made some adjustments. But I'm I'm gonna first start out with the the snubbed one. All right. Big shot Brunson, the man who should have been, should have been voted into the all-star game. Had a great night today. Uh, let me get to these stats real quick. Brunson. Boy, that's not a Brunson. Brunson gives you 25 points, five assists. Look at this ridiculous shooting line. 69% from the field and 50% from three with five assists. The picture perfect image of efficiency had a Dang good game. The, the the magic really tried to get him off his groove. They started off trapping him in the beginning of the game. And I felt like we were kind of slow to adjust. But at the end of the day, when the game was on the line, he kept the ball. He, he started to swing the ball in the first half. But the second half, he kept the ball. He made the right plays. It looks like at this point of the season, he's mixing and scoring and setting players up. You saw how he gave Jericho Sims the, the lob at the end. And I think he's starting to round out into shape as being a guy who can pick his spots a little bit more better when it comes to aim game situations. So, guys, let me know what you thought, think about the game. What do you think about Jalen Brunson? If you want to add on to that, go ahead, Lee. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Knicks are watching our podcast. <laughs> I, I've noticed a lot of things I really liked. I I can't remember who on the panel said it, and I just know it wasn't me. That Johnny Bryant, it feels like the Tibbs is listening more to Johnny Bryant. That Johnny Bryant's being a little bit more vocal this year on the bench, and it seems like it's being heard. Is that there were a couple of moments that I saw Johnny Bryant talking to Tibbs, and then a moment later you would see some adjustments, or you would start seeing RJ running pin downs for actual running plays for Grimes mm. on the floor. And I was like, haven't seen that before. That last play of a game where Sims substituted Hartenstein. Right, Johnny Bryant was all over that. He was calling that out. He was talking to Tibbs, making sure that Isaiah Hartenstein was out there. I was like, you know, it's one, it's cool that Johnny Bryant's doing that. It's even cooler that Tibbs is listening. Yeah. That he's being able to step back off of his high horse and be like, you know what? There's other guys on this bench right now to give me some insight into making this team a better all around team. And the ball was moving better. Yeah. And not only was the ball moving, there were a couple of new wrinkles on the offensive side of off ball movement that I think is growing game by game. I think that these are starting to become set in um, uh, habits 
by players who don't have the ball in their hands to get a little bit more action going on on the, the wheat side to at least allow some decoy movement over there to give Brunson and Randall when they go ISO, they go one-on-one, a little bit more freedom and less defenders uh, trapping them or double-teaming them, which, man, I'll take it. Like anything that helps this offense move a little bit smoother, and Brunson was ahead of the snake tonight. That he is one of the most efficient shooters I think I've seen in my in my in my fandom. I can't remember the last time we had a player that's so consistently efficient at all three levels. Yeah, like free throws is probably his, his weakest part of his shooting. <laughs> but man, three point shooting and mid range, the intermediate game, he is dynamite in there. It don't matter who's guarding him yeah. if he can get a little bit of space. That's going in. I know he does struggle with length, but he has a footwork and the IQ to get open. So, man, props to Brunson, all-star snub. Hopefully he's not an all-NBA in all NBA snub, too, because he deserves that as well. Yeah. It seems like the length messes him up sometimes, but sometimes it's like if he has it going, then the length don't really even matter sometimes. It's yeah. just like, I'm shooting over you anyway because I'm looking at Brunson, and this is just what I do. Uh, When it comes to... The offense, you know, you know what, Lee? Tibbs is such a defensive mind. It makes me wonder if he's such like defense, defense, defense first that he just drills in defense for like the first three months of the season. And then like later on, it's like, all right, I put an offensive set here to like expand it. I wonder if that's what he's doing. I don't know. Hmm. Or maybe Johnny Bryant is getting a voice a lot more this season this season that could be it too i i still remember when um when we interviewed mark berman and mark berman was here and he was talking about how tom thibodeau does not utilize his assistants like other coaches and if that's what's starting to happen and that's why we starting to see some varying sets then i'll embrace it because you know I, we desperately need some help on that side, and it, it looks like we're starting to figure certain things out. I like, I liked what I saw. I like how we people are starting to move a little bit off the ball when when uh, Jalen Brunson is is getting to the hole. Like he he will pass you the ball if he's dribbling and you cut on the opposite side. You've seen it with Sims. You've seen it with Grimes. You've seen it with Julius Randle. If you cut while he has the ball, he will dish it off for easy layups. So I'm hoping the team is just getting used to playing with him. I'm hoping Johnny Bryant is starting to evaluate this team and put his footprint on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm hoping this team is starting to turn the corner when it comes to finishing off games. Uh, I'm sorry. you have anything to add to that, Ryan? I kind of took over a little bit. Yeah. um, I think what you basically explained about Thibs is that he basically said that Thibs is Coach Carter. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta break that down. <laughs> he just he just pretty much had to make sure that a bunch of suicides and do a defensive set and then later on in the season he just he said, he's like, you know what, I'm gonna add an offensive set here and explain that this is Coach Carter, but um shout out to Samuel Jackson. All right. But but um yeah, going back to um Brunson tonight, you know, I, I I agree with Lee. I think they are watching the podcast because I still remember after that Lakers game when he had like 29 field goal attempts, had 37 points, and we, and we were complaining about you know, him being too ISO heavy and how, you know, he's not moving the ball around and he's just over dribbling and things of that nature. Like since that game, he hasn't done that. Like he's mm-hmm. changed up his game to the point where it's like, he's smarter in his isolations. Like he doesn't isolate as much. And then when he's in isolation, you know, he makes 
you know, better decisions when it comes to getting other players involved. Like he doesn't always go for a shot in isolations. And I do think that the off ball movement is helping that as well. You know, like JL is pointing out, you know, when Sims cut to the basket late in the game, he found him for that easy dunk and others and then other spots throughout the game. And the Knicks only had 21 assists in total, but I don't think that's indicative of the Knicks ball movement. I think the Knicks moved the ball really well tonight. Mm-hmm. The, the may not show in the assist section because maybe because the Knicks missed a lot of shots. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, the Knicks definitely moved the ball around tonight. You'll definitely see more movement in the offense. And Jalen Brunson, he played a good game tonight. And the stats are crazy. Like, you know, if you want to talk about the perfect Jalen Brunson game, this is probably it. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just took over when he needed to. Usually a calamity in the clutch. Today, hit six clutch free throws today. And he started off by missing going one for two right before he hit the six clutch free throws. So I was like, oh, here we go. My stomach got a little bit knotted up, but he hit six clutch free throws. We inbounded the ball. We fouled when we had to foul. There was no crazy end ones. We It seemed like we actually learned from our mistakes and performed well in the clutch. So kudos to the Knicks and Jalen Brunson. And um, speaking of not hitting shots in the first half, <laughs> Um, RJ Barrett had an interesting game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Um, yo, it's funny. And you know what? He turned it on in the the beginning. I mean, the end. I'm not gonna lie. It's certain things are starting to get concerning. And the defense from RJ... And even Deuce, Deuce, I didn't like Deuce's defense in the, in the first half as well. And usually I really love his defense. But I didn't like his defense. I didn't like Sims' defense in the beginning either. The second unit in general, I wasn't feeling the way they was yelling. Um, pick and roll, we was getting burned a lot in that second quarter. And RJ, you know, he was kind of compounding the situation by missing open missing shots and then being bad on defense. But, you know, I'm also going to give him some, some credit for turning on a little bit later, but um, even defensively look like he played, played better a little bit later, but yes, is, but here's my thing. We, man, I can see where this team can go. If we actually start to hit open three point shots, because the first half we did at all. Like, it was bad. It wasn't until the second half when we really started to hit shots outside of Julius Randle. Because Julius Randle was on on one. But for me, when I'm looking at Barrett, I'm like, all right. If you're going to be bad on offense, you have to at least be good on defense. Because I'm looking at Evan Fournier game from the day before going, man, Evan Fournier is at least trying on defense and hitting threes. So it's like we're getting something out of him, but I'm not gonna kill him today because he performed well at the end. What did you think about the RJ Barrett game, guys? Well, you you know me. Like I already said, I got smoke for RJ every game <laughs> until he starts playing defense. I'm not gonna be too hard on him tonight. I'm not gonna be too harsh because he did turn around in the second half. But that first half, and I said it in a group chat because y'all saw me text. I was like. I have a whole lot of smoke for RJ tonight based on his performance in the first half because it was just damn terrible. It was bad. Like, I was watching the game and I was really like paying attention. 
Because like I said, I got smoke for RJ. Like I want RJ to perform. Like if, if it was up to me, I would want him to be a Nick for life. But yo, the way he's playing right now, if I'm if I'm the Knicks and, and I'm able to get a a good wing to this team, he's gonna be the first one on the trading block, the way he's playing right now. And I was watching that first half like crazy. And what I noticed is that whenever RJ was in the game in the first half, Orlando Magic would go on a run and they would increase that lead. Then once RJ went to the bench, then that's when the Knicks started to chip away at the lead and come back into the game. Yep. So I, I don't know what I, I don't know what RJ's negative. I don't know what RJ's plus minus was in the first half. Minus fifteen, lowest on the team. Yeah, there we go. I'm not surprised because he was just terrible in the first half. He did pick it up in the second half. I'm, I'm gonna give him that. He did play better defense because I'm sorry, Franz Franz Wagner was dog walking him in the first half. Dog walking him, man. But he did pick it up in the second half, so I'm going to give him credit for that. He did pick it up offensively. He made a couple good passes as well. That one alley-oop to Sims, I believe, was nice. Yeah. So I'm not going to be too harsh on him, but RJ has to pick it up, especially on the defensive end. Like, if RJ RJ was struggling on offense, but he was at least providing effort on defense, I wouldn't be too hard on him because at least he's providing something. But if he's not providing offensively with the defense he's playing – he, he's, he's hurting the team, so he has to do better defensively. Lots of conflicted feelings on RJ. On one hand, he's only 22 years old. He's a baby, man. He's mm-hmm. such a young kid. You know, he's mostly played in really losing situations besides that first year when Tibbs was a coach. He's played for really bad coaches with really bad spacing and really bad teammates. So I, I feel for him in, in a lot of those regards, but there's also a tendency for me to want to be harsh because he's had a starring role a starting position and a lot of high usage and a lot of the ball in his hands a lot yeah. since he got in the lead. Fizdo started him game one. He was in the starting lineup and he hasn't left. So I can let some of the bad shooting games go, but when you have bad shooting seasons, right, season after season, it's like, it gets to the point where it's really frustrating. I think the only metric that he's improved on this season's free throw shooting is the only thing that's improved. Like everything else is worse across the board and continues to descend uh, and now his defense has been a struggle since he got that. He came back from that injury on January 12th. It, it's it's hard to root for him. He's such a confounding, like complicated player. I, I, I've started. I think he has like a high IQ and like a lot of like mental resolve to overcome bad shooting nights. But then he'll have a stretch like a week, like five days in a row, where he just shoots like ass. And I'm like, does he have a high <laughs> IQ? I, I I just don't know which which RJ it is yet. And this is his fourth year in the lead. I should know which are we should know who he is by now. And I think there's still a question mark. One thing I like, and I want to continue giving tips and flowers. Mm-hmm. I like the way he's handling RJ. I like that he's benching him. He's yanking him. He's sitting him in the fourth quarter when he's playing bad. I like that. But I, I'm glad he's not giving him the Randall treatment where he's out there impacting the game on a negative level yeah. and hurting his teammates and clogging the lanes. I like that Tibbs is benching him when he needs to be benched. I think that's a growth by Tibbs, and I think will help RJ grow as well, and we'll really see what kind of resolve he's had. He played awful in the first half, but in the fourth quarter, clamping down. Yeah. He played really good defense, I think, on both Vodner brothers. You know, when he got switched onto the, the, the larger Vodner Franz, I thought he played pretty good defense in the post, and for the most part, he was keeping Mo uh, out of the paint as well, and guarding the perimeter better. He got cooked on Banchero, uh, that in the last two minutes of a game, but everyone gets cooked by it. I mean, yeah. Banchero was a feature superstar. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's like Kevin Durant 
uh, Bill would be even bigger and stronger. He's going to be a problem for a long time. The whole Magic roster is going to be a problem. They have a great coach and a great roster and a great star. So they're a very good up-and-coming team. It's in the Magic of the last couple of years when Fournier was there. So, you know, RJ, man, I'm still rooting for him. But the right trade came along, pull the trigger. Yeah. RJ's uh, finishing at the rim has gone up this season. That's the one one thing. His overall field goal percentage isn't isn't up. His two point percentage might be up. After after recheck that, but uh, I agree with all you guys' sentiments. RJ just pretty much has to step it up at this point. We we really need him. I saw some stats that said that even RJ. RJ Randall and Brunson together are a negative rating, negative 3.1. It's funny because our starting five that we use the most is a positive rating. So to me, that negative 3.1 has a lot to do with the defense, probably. Um, because once Mitch and once you add Mitch there with Grimes, all of a sudden we were, I think, a positive nine point something. So we have to look at keep get a look at this trio. We have to Hat. It's fun. We RJ has to step it up defensively for sure, and I hope he keeps. I hope he gets better, man, because it, it gets frustrating. But good end to the game from RJ Barrett overall. We won Definitely. the game. We won the game. We won the game. He got it together. Next game up. All right. Which brings me to Julius Randall. All right. Before we get to Julius Randall, let me, me shoot. Let me salute to the chat real quick. Okay. Let me salute to the chat. Uh, you're watching the KOT show. If you love the show so far, hit that like button and subscribe. We're here talking Knicks basketball after every single game. The good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between. You'll get our Knicks takes. Whether it's popular or not popular, we're going to let you know what is on our mind. And you know what? If you disagree, it's okay. Call in. Dial the number 319-527-6241. That's 319-527-6241 if you disagree or even if you have any comments on the game in general. Okay? So shout out to our KOT supporters. And shout out to Julius Randle because we were dead in the water and he kept us afloat <laughs> with crazy three-point shooting from all over the floor. He looks super relaxed out there. I, I still feel like when Julius Randle is away from home, he just seems like another type of player. I feel like his jump shot is 20 times better when he's away from New York. I'm going I'm to come back and look at the stats, shooting numbers away from home and shooting numbers um, at home. But Randle did a great job. Uh, hold on, let me get Randle's stats real quick. 22 points, 46% from the field, 40% from three, plus nine on the night. Six assists. Four turnovers is, you know, is four turnovers is, is not ideal, but 14 rebounds. Continues to kind of peak some leadership qualities. You can see him every game trying to force Quentin Grimes to shoot the damn ball. <laughs> and he's been the consummate leader this year, man. Consummate leader. I don't know if anything else has anything to say. This is a ho-hum, ho-hum 20s, 14 game from Randall. It's like boring at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Joe Strong played well tonight. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, like I said, he definitely kept the Knicks in the game, man. You know, he's bringing them both on. 
the offensive and defensive side of the ball. You know, definitely hit the boards, as you can see, 14 rebounds. The four turnovers are not ideal, but, you know, with Julius Randle, you're, you're going to get turnovers at times. You know, that's just, you know, his playing style. You know, some, you know, at times he doesn't make, like, the best decisions. But besides that, you know, he's a he was solid tonight. Yeah. This was the first time in a long time that Obi Toppin was pulled for Julius Randle. And even though the people are coming back, I was like, I like that move. Like <laughs> Toppin was Toppin shooting tonight was awful. Yeah. And he had a lot of good open looks too. Uh you would think this is kind of a team that he would thrive against. Uh there's not they're not super good defensively. I mean, they they show effort, but they don't have elite defenders yet on this roster. And I thought they love going up and down the court too. I thought in transition that to Toppin could to break away and get a few uh one man running guns but it just didn't happen he didn't have like the rhythm or the flow this game and so when randall came back in the game i was like hell yeah and what i like the most about it is that randall deferred he allowed brunson and rj to really help maintain that lead and, and sustain it and was actually used again more flowers for tibbs used as a decoy and a lot in that fourth quarter too where he would catch the ball. He would he would pretend that he's about to dribble the air out of the ball and the defenders would start collapsing, and then he would spray it out and find uh, other players to create on their own. He found IQ once, yeah. found Grime once, uh, found Brunson. I was like, damn, this is like everything that we've been clamoring for for the last couple of weeks um, is like Brunson passing the ball more, Randall being used as a decoy, especially in the fourth. And then when he's open, Cook. Like I got nothing bad to say about Randall. It's been nice to fall back in love with him. You know, be a Dallas guy. I'm a huge fan of it. And maybe we saw Gerson Rosas looked at my LinkedIn profile. So maybe he is watching the show. Maybe he's watching the show, man. Who knows? Shout out Gerson if you watch it, bro. Shout out to Gerson Rosas. He's not watching the K2 show, probably. Oh man, Gerson. I'm sorry. Come on the show, man. bro. Do not trade Obi. To to the Utah Jazz <laughs> for no Vanderbilt, all right. I'm yeah. not, but I'm, I'm I'm gonna hold that conversation for later. But don't do it, all right. S since you're watching right now, all right. <laughs> Yo, yep. Matter of fact, I don't know if y'all noticed, but Obi ain't low. I I know Obi was doing in the fourth quarter. Dips is about to put Julius Randle back in the game. My man Obi saw that Julius Randle was waiting on the sides to get back into the game. You know what he did? He drove to the basket, so he got fouled. Yeah, and went to the line, so Dips could have taken him out, and he could get some extra points. Oh, <laughs> true. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. Here I'm going thinking, good take, Obi. I like you being aggressive. He's like, nah, I'm trying. I'm not trying to leave this game, son. <laughs> Charlie, you're gonna give me my 13 and a half minutes. Damn it, <laughs> taking me out at 12 minutes. Screw you. <laughs> but you know what? Oh, I like the type of shots that Obi got. I'm not even gonna hold you. Like he missed them, but I like the shots he good he took. I like that he dropped he drove to the basket. He just he just missed them today. And he's not yeah. getting those leak outs anymore because they're emphasizing rebounding more. If you notice, he has six rebounds in 13 minutes. He's leaking out a lot less in general, and that's not by accident. That's by design. The coach wants him to rebound a lot more. But uh, you, shout you out to Julius like Randle as well. Julius Randle has seems like he's reached like another level of trusting his teammates, which you have to appreciate. Lee mentioned before he'll just get the rebound and casually just give it to IQ. I don't remember him trusting IQ as much as he does does this year. Good point. Um, um, 
I feel like he, he had that trust in IQ last year or the year before. Um, shoot, they even be giving the ball to to uh, RJ Barrett after he bricks six threes in a row. He's like, here you go, RJ, take the seventh. <laughs> Jay Ellis. Yeah. Do you and Ryan prefer him to concentrate on, on rebounding or would you prefer he leak out? Uh, it depends on how to get the flow of the game. Like I feel like with Mitchell Robinson now, especially, we we're going to need the rebounding. So I don't mind him concentrating on the rebounding. For okay. me, for me personally, I do want to see him get out of the fast break more, just for the simple fact I do think the Knicks need easier baskets. You know, they need more easier easier baskets in their arsenal. So I would like to see him leak out more. But you know, like JL said, I can't understand why Obi is utilized for rebounding now because I think without I think without Mitch, yeah. We need a bit more help on the board. So, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, OB has to prioritize, you know, getting rebounds as opposed to leaking out on fast break. Yeah. Because Hartenstein, um, for the most, well, Hartenstein has been a lot better recently. But overall, Hartenstein, he's been struggling defensively rebounding the ball. So we needed all hands on deck when it came to rebounds in general. So I think that's why they even stopped having OB leak out is because we just was not finishing defensive stands for like a large stretch of time. And today, Hartenstein, what, 12 minutes, three rebounds, got into foul trouble. I actually liked Hartenstein's minutes in the first quarter. It, it was just the foul troubles just kept them out the game. But um, but yeah, I, I, I don't mind it at this point. Definitely don't mind it. Very fair. All right. Well, salute to the chat. Yo, I, I don't know. I don't have that much to really add to this game. I can talk about Emmanuel quickly. I noticed the coach, you know, you're watching Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett and Quentin Grimes closely because all those guys deserve to play in crunch time minutes for one reason or the other. And today it was Emmanuel quickly's number. And he delivered, hit a, a lot of clutch threes, a lot of clutch threes, uh, was able to be the spark that uh, sparked the, the the bench unit in that in the third, fourth quarter. And um, the, 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 the defense was there too. Well, except for Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz kind of cooked them in the fourth quarter. I'm not going to hold you. <laughs> that might be the only time I was like, man, maybe we should have had Grimes in here on Fultz. Um, maybe we should have had Grimes on faults for the entire game. I thought that was kind of peculiar as well. That that uh Brunson was guarding faults for most of the game. But um, yeah, Emmanuel quickly had an IQ IQ night. Eighteen points, seven to fifteen, four of nine from three. And I was kind of getting worried about him too because I felt like is is he starting to hit a shooting slump? But he actually picked it up. Yeah. As the game went on. So, you know, good game from quickly. If there's been a silver lining to Mitchell Robinson being out, and it's it's hard to find one because he's I mean, he's just such an impact player. But it's the minutes and growth from Jericho Sims and Isaiah Hartenstein. Yeah. Allowing them to to add new wrinkles offensively and defensively. Defensively for Sims and offensively for both Sims and Hartenstein, but especially Hartenstein, giving us a new dynamic that hopefully Tibbs can use in the playoffs if he extends the rotation to nine or 10 and actually plays those guys deeper in the bench, man, they, they can give us some different looks depending on matchups 
uh, and it gave us an opportunity if we did pass the first round into the second round, maybe since to play even more minutes, depending on who we did matched up against. I'm thinking maybe Philadelphia with Embiid. We're going to need Sims. We're going to need Hartenstein. So I, I've actually enjoyed watching them in a starting capacity playing against other starters. Wendell Carter Jr. is a very nice young player. Mm-hmm. And I thought Jericho Sims played him very well. I thought Jericho Sims played very well when Bol Bol, Bol was in there. I, I thought this was a game where it didn't matter who got rotated in on him. Tibbs didn't have to like pull him or match his match with anybody. He was able to keep him out there and he had that same intensity on rebounding and same intensity on putbacks and rolling to the basket for some lobs. I was very impressed. Good game from Sims. Yeah. For me, it was like a missed back. I felt like the first half Sims wasn't as good. Like I felt like the pick and roll defense, but like I, I noticed us missing Mitch in the first half in particular with the pick and roll defense with Mo and, and those guys. So I was like, oh man, this is this is this isn't working out. But I felt like the second half Sims really stepped up and put his imprint on the game, cutting off the ball, getting a huge offensive rebound in the fourth quarter. Sims really I think he put a, a nice second half together to help seal this win. And we needed it too because Isaiah was in in um in foul trouble in the first half and you know what lee sometimes what happens when a, a player goes down sometimes for a lot of nba teams that's when that silver lining actually happens because somebody is forced to step up and they get more comfortable with the team and then as time goes on their chest swells the confidence is up the, the coach has more confidence in them and all of a sudden you have another weapon the same thing happened when R.J. Barrett went down and IQ started to get more minutes. IQ started to flex a little bit more. And now that even R.J. is back, that confidence from IQ hasn't went away. So um, it's been next man up for these Knicks. And it's it's been a blessing in disguise for us, the injuries that have happened to us. Because guys like IQ, Hartenstein are starring the show. Y'all want to know something crazy? And I would have never said this in my beginning of the season. Mitch, this injury, if I had to pick one player to never get injured again, it would be Mitch. Like It's just, man, you just see the damn difference on the defensive side of the ball. You, ha- you see how much harder the guards have to work, knowing that that security blanket's not there in, in the middle if their defender blows by him. Like, it's just... It's just so much more difficult in switching as well. Mitch is such a good switching defender. He dipped out there and guard in the perimeter. I mean, hell, he did block. Yeah. I was looking at a, at a blocking map of all the centers of the top 15 shot blockers, and Mitch has had spots all around the perimeter, both sides of the perimeter. I was like, damn, man, this guy recovers and hedges really, really well. And he's such a lob threat on offense. So, uh, the efficiency is unbelievable. Athleticism, unbelievable. Like, man, I, I love Mitch. This is the first season – I fall in love with Mitch. I've always been okay on him, never been down on him. But we had that conversation about stretch fives. Yeah. But now it would have to be a top three stretch five for me to be willing to, to trade him because I, I really see his improvement this year on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to add something to that because, you know, because I think Mitch, at least in Knicks Nation, like, I think Knicks Nation has always been kind of split on him. Like, some people think that, okay, you know, we just put in Sims or whatever the case may be, and Mitch is expendable, whatever the case may be. But Mitch being out, now it finally shows the true value that he has on this team. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like, when Mitch is on the court, the reason why players don't get to the basket is, like, like for example, <clears throat> without Mitch on the court, 
and, and you have guys like Grimes, et cetera, just guarding on the perimeter. Those guys are getting to the basket all the way now. Yeah. They're blowing by they're blowing by that man and getting all the way to the basket. But you don't see that happen with Mitch because when Mitch is actually on the court, even if even if Grimes or whoever gets beat, Mitch is right there and he allows them to recover. And then Mitch just goes back to his man. And then that and that allows, you know, that stifles the other team's offense in a lot of ways. You know, so I'm just glad to see that, you know, Knicks fans have finally seen the impact that the true impact Facts. that does have on this team. And yeah, like, because trust me, the fact that the Knicks are like 500 right now with Mitch out is a blessing. <laughs> Honestly, it's a blessing. But when Mitch is come, well, but when Mitch comes back, I think this team is going to be rolling again. Oh, yeah. You, you know, Ryan, that's a great point. I want to shout the chat out. Uh, Alwyn Lewis said, tell the guards, feed Mitch the ball when he sets the pick and roll. If I want Brunson to do one thing more when he gets back, it's feed Mitch. Get yeah. into a two-man set, a pick-and-roll uh, uh, plays with Mitchell Robinson specifically to feed him and like, give him a shout-out for all the hard work that he puts on defensive and rebounding side of the ball. He deserves it. I think Brunson, more than any other guard, misses him the most when, when it comes to lobs. Like, I want to see Brunson and Mitch develop a two-man game. Yeah, especially because the way Brunson just operates in that mid-range area, uh, I would I think it would just make him that much more dangerous. Like when you're looking at freaking Trey Young and Clint Capella, like we can definitely have something in in that vein when it comes to to Brunson and and Mitchell Robinson. I I think it's just we we just need more reps, more chemistry, more awareness. Brunson's the type of guy who who's never satisfied with his game, so. Um, hopefully that we see more of that when he comes back, but, um, shout out to Mitch Robinson. I always felt like he was underrated when it came to the Knicks. That's why, uh, I furiously defended him <laughs> for like most of the season until he went down. Cause it is, listen, our defensive rating is, was top 10 when he was playing Yep, and I haven't checked. It might be 19 right now or something. My me check right now. Hold on. Top ten when he was playing right now. Knicks sixteenth. Sixteenth. All right. So we we scrapped up. We scrapped up one. <laughs> we scrapped up from seventeenth to sixteenth. So that my is heart, the baby. presence of Mitch Robinson. Shout out to my guy Mitch. All right. All right. Salute to the chat. And shoot to Tom Thibodeau too. Made adjustments. Let's go. Made adjustment. He took out Jalen Brunson for a defensive stand and put it in an all-defensive unit. He then put in three big men at the end of the game to secure the rebound. Made adjustments today. Made good adjustments. And it also went went small one time um, and went all shooting. Had Brunson in there with quickly, with IQ, had Julius ran out the five to give Brunson some room. A lot of little adjustments. Tim Tom Thibodeau made in the fourth quarter. Shout out to Tom Thibodeau, coach to help the game today. All right. All right. Salute to the chat. If you like the show, hit the like, hit the subscribe. If you want to call in, you know what to do. Dial the number. It flashes at the bottom of the screen. 319-527-6241. That's 319-527-6241. Um, hmm, hmm. all right, cool. You know what? Um, there's been like little, little news that's been coming out. Shout out to Ian Begley, who 
who was on. He had his own little put back episode today where they talked about the trade rumors that are happening around next nation. And one thing that we have to touch on is the guy that we were talking about for most of the week, the OG, OG Ananobi. All right. OG Ananobi, you know, you already know the Knicks were, I think they offered three first for him early on. That was the rumor anyway. But when I was looking at the rumors, it seems like every NBA team is talking to the Toronto Raptors at this point. <laughs> it's like the, the, the team that's receiving the most phone calls this season is the Toronto Raptors. And while watching the putback, Begley stated that the Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets haven't really been in contact with the Raptors lately. I know for the Knicks, there's been concern about the price. According to him, they feel like the price might be extremely high. So the price is being extremely high. It might be even higher than the the three first that they 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 wanted to give, or maybe or maybe they were just like, "Hey, here's some unprotected," and they were like, "Nah, let's get all protected." Who knows? It's, it's Usai. Usai is, is in a Danny Ainge boat. They hate the Knicks, so you could be paying the Knicks the Knicks tax. Who like? It could be absolutely that situation. Um, but also on top of that, they were worried about OG's willingness willingness to stay with the team long term because OG wants to hit the free agent market. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that news on OG? Well, first and foremost, I am team no more than two picks for OG. Mm-hmm. So if Toronto wants three or more, they can, you know, buy with that. Like, we, yep. we're not going for that trade. But, um, yeah, I mean, you have to think of it this way as well. Like, Toronto's general manager, Masai Jerry, like, this dude has a, like, he's known for getting the best out of deals or or kind of getting teams overpaid for his assets or what, or, you know, just, he's he just, he's just a very shrewd GM. So the fact that, so regardless of what you think OG is worth or whatever the case may be, more than likely if a team is going to pry OG from the Raptors, more than likely they're going to overpay a bit for him. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you have to think with the Knicks as well. Like, you have a number you have a number of assets. Do you really want to give away a lot of those assets for a guy in OG where he's not even, like, a top-tier wing? You know what I mean? He's more like – he's not even an all-star wing at this point. You know, he's just a very good wing. Yeah. So you have to, think of, you have to think, of, think of it from that aspect as well. So – the fact that he's expensive, if I'm the Knicks, yeah, I wouldn't go for that trade. Ryan's had his finger on the pulse of, I think, OG's worth from the get-go. I uh, don't disagree with him at all. I think two picks is the maximum. And honestly, I think if we had a, had a real honest conversation, We, if Obi's included, we might even feel like that's too much, too. If Obi Toppin's part of the pack, the player package is going back to Toronto. Because to me, he, he's, I mean, he was a lot lottery pick i don't think he's worth a lottery pick now but a nits pick could be a lottery pick if the right guy goes down not on wood um i hope that never happens yeah i think we should drop out there's too many teams you know trying to get them which means the prices don't go up 
with that yeah. much competition. Uh, and I'm not willing to overpay for someone like Ryan said, that's not an all-star and maybe at the most might be a one-time all-star in his career. I mean, just there's too much talent in this lead for him to be a consistent all-star presence. Uh, I'd rather save our pets and assets and go for a bigger fish this summer. Yeah. If Messiah trying to uh, jack the price, I'm good. That's what it seems like he's trying to do. So it is what it is. I'll move on and try to look for our, our wing elsewhere. And also in other put back news, they also talked about Vanderbilt and Beasley. One thing I did hear was the Knicks are were hesitant to include Obi Toppin in a deal Good. For, for Vanderbilt and Beasley. So uh, thank you, God. All right. Yep. <laughs> Agreed. And but also there isn't a consensus here as of the fit that Beasley and Vanderbilt will have on this team. And I think it's kind of obvious. We kind of talked about it for ourselves. You know, <laughs> Tibbs doesn't play guys who aren't defensive guys. So, you know, that's the concern for Beasley. And um, listen, if OB is if OB's not moved, then who is Vanderbilt playing for? So I guess is he going to try to play for for um, Deuce at this time? Like, so. When I look at that situation, it looks like from the way they were talking, it seems like that's not going to happen. Yeah. And I think also the news came out that the Lakers are going after um, Beasley. I think I saw a package where the Lakers are thinking about, I got to reread, I got to reread the, um, the actual story, but I know the Lakers are going after Beasley though. So I don't think that Vanderbilt Beasley trade is even, in talks anymore between the Knicks and the Jazz. I believe Beasley's going to go somewhere else. As for Vandy, I don't know whether he's going to still be with the Jazz or not. But, yeah, but um, I don't know. Like I said, me personally, I would have went for the trade just for the simple fact that, you know, I don't think Obi has a huge role to play with this Knicks team in the future, especially with Julius Randle being here. Mm-hmm. So you bring in a defensive guy in Vanderbilt that's going to that's take his spot, and he's a defensive wing, which means he could guard multiple positions and fulfills the need for the Knicks. And then with Beasley, I know Beasley, I know Beasley has defensive concerns, but I think even Ross said it on a previous show. Like he comes from a system, Florida State, where those guys play defense. And if you look at his earlier, you know, defensive rating stats, especially his days in Denver, it would show that he does he did play defense. So I think under Thibs, he would step up his defensive game and he would provide more scoring off the bench. But I mean, it's not a trade where it's like, I'm like pulling for Knicks to make it like you know if it happens it happens if it don't it don't like I'm not losing sleep over it so understood great great points my worry is Beasley's like profile a sits four undersized guard we kind of already have that in IQ and IQ is an elite defender at this point Grimes is like sits five also an elite defender I don't know whose minutes he would take and I would prefer that Beasley wouldn't take either of their minutes I think that it's a little bit too high of a gamble for me for a guy who might not even play like more than 10 or 12 minutes a game uh and to me I think I'd rather I'd have Evan Fournier like yeah. Beasley's gonna be a free agent and he's probably gonna want even more money than Fournier is making 
And I decided to guarantee that he stays with us too. So we ended up trading Obi in that deal and maybe some second round pick draft capital. And we ended up just essentially trading Obi for Vanderbilt. If Beasley leaves, that would be hard to stomach. As much as I love Vanderbilt and I really love him a lot, I'd rather just trade for him by himself than a package of Beasley too. Yeah. And I understand that Obi's ceiling and his NBA. Because I already know this value. There's our value to the team and there's NBA value. I understand Obi's NBA value right now is in the second round picks range because of the time he's getting and he's playing behind Randall. But at the same time, every team in the NBA sees that uh, the potential is greater than that. It's not like, oh, I'm getting a role player. No, it's like, okay, I'm getting a play, a role player off the bench that can probably, that can do more than that possibly you know what i'm saying so for me i i i stay i my stance is still the same on obi um if he's moved i want to move him for somebody of more significance and i know this summer the knicks might have to pick between paying iq and paying obi i feel like they're leaning towards more iq and if we can't move obi this summer for like you know, in the package for somebody more prominent, then maybe it's like uh, draft picks and OB to move up and draft to get somebody who you feel is going to be like a dynamic defending wing somewhere. That's the only thing I can really think of where I'm not giving up OB for a lone role player, but somebody with at least a, some type of big upside, you know? Yeah, but even even with them, even with Beasley leaving, like the way I was thinking about it was that you know, you would get some cap relief with Fournier gone and then use that money and further strengthen the bench with a player off the market. So that's why I was thinking about it. But mm. I understand, I understand you you got sentiments as well. Yeah. And the thing with Fournier too, we don't have to move him. Fournier still kind of has value as yeah. salary filler here, you know? So it's, it's like if, if somebody does come available, we can pull him in the deal. Uh, and for like a sign and trade situation or something. So he still has value as a type of a salary filler for a big deal if we need to. But there's no need to move Fournier now and attach a pick. And so I'm, I'm cool with Fournier being here. All right. You know what's crazy? There's only like two teams in the NBA that Fournier wouldn't play significant minutes for. It's like us and Miami are the only two teams that could see him not actually like get off the bench. The other 28 teams, I think he would be playing 18 to 20 minutes a game and averaging about 15, 16 like he has his entire career. Yeah. I, that's, it's funny that <laughs> the Knicks were the team that went after him and gave him a four-year contract. It's like kind of mind-boggling. It's like he's not a Tibbs guy at all. There's no one in the history of like Tibbs' rotations that's had his style of game, besides like Kyle Korver maybe, yeah. that played significant minutes under Tibbs. It's like that was a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff. What he has value. was – they drafted Quentin Grimes, but every time they draft somebody, they bring in a veteran as a failsafe. <laughs> and yeah, they, if you remember correctly, they didn't want to give Evan Fournier the years he got. He got. They wanted to give him two years, and <laughs> they had to give him the extra years for him to come to the Knicks. Like his agent kind of bargained for that, and the meet in the middle was the four years, but team option in the third year. That was mm-hmm. the the meet in the middle. You know, so like the Knicks really didn't want him to give. They didn't really want to give him those years, but um, I who were they? I think they was going after somebody else, and they came off the market, and then they turned to Fournier, 
And it was yeah, like, you're right. we'll, we'll give him a slight overpay right. because we need somebody. Who was it? Who was it that? Was I can't bad too. Was it somebody bad? But oh, it was um Charlotte? Was it Gordon Hayward? Gordon Hayward. Yes. Yes. Yes, it was. And actually, like Gordon Hayward, but the years he won it was too much, and then he just he just turned to crap once he turned to Charlotte. So I'm thank God we didn't get Good it. Good memory. Thank oof. yeah. And you know what? Shut us. Shout out Stop Perry for always having that team that team option at the end of the contract. Yeah. That's a, that, that's a Stop Perry special. <laughs> that's a Stop Perry special. Oh, you want four it years? Uh, team option of four for you. Yep. And, and they and always the give that probably. player false hope, too. That's the other thing. It's like, <laughs> if you play well, we'll pick up that option. They never picked up the option or anybody. Nope. <laughs> anybody. That's- oh, man. I feel like I'm missing certain small news. Oh, Cam Reddish is the only other news that's really come out. Cam Reddish wants to be moved. Watching the pushback, they was kind of looking, they was kind of saying that Cam Reddish looks really depressed on the bench pretty much. And he really just wants to go. It looks like a sad puppy pretty much. And as of today, I've heard that the Nuggets Bucks. And are the Cavs interested in Cam Reddish? I heard those teams might be interested in Cam. So from what I'm seeing, I don't know if any moves are going to happen, actually. Between the bench playing slightly better, OG being overpriced at this moment, I don't think anything is really going to happen besides Cam Reddish for some seconds. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. I was trying to find it because I know I saw a report earlier that pretty much stated um, who was going after Cam. And it was, and I'm not, I think one of them was, I want to say the Nuggets, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm Bucks. trying to confirm it. it was Milwaukee? Bucks, Nuggets, um, Damn, Lakers. It's Detroit. going off memory. Bucks, Nuggets, Lakers are definitely what I remember. The Cavs might be one. That's too. the one I'm not yes. sure about. But they the are. Bucks, the Nuggets, and the Lakers are definitely in it. Cavs are too. Cavs. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't, I can't find the story. But they named two two main teams. Like there's two main teams going after him at the moment. But oh, there's main teams, and then there's like yeah, I can't, I can't recall. I think one is the Nuggets, but I'm not 100 sure. I gotta like find the story. And are the Nuggets trying to move Bones? Yes. I mean, apparently, according to reports earlier. Yeah, he doesn't like his role or his minutes. He wants to start. Oh, well, that's, that's not a good I read. move here. Because <laughs> it's like can for bones? Uh... <laughs> Man, and a pick. Yeah, yeah definitely a pick. But he definitely ain't starting. He'll just end up leaving anyway. Yeah. yeah. I can see him and quickly fighting over the ball. Facts. <laughs> But oh, yeah, yeah who also, even it'll be seconds, man. It'll be some seconds. Ah. There's also news been interesting in Derek Rose. Marshawn uh, Bochamp. Hmm? I like him. I like I, I like the Marjan guy from Milwaukee. Yeah, no, oh, Marjan Bochamp, yeah. Yeah, he's got size. Yeah, got I don't size. know if you heard. What yeah, about the shooters me. from the Cavs? This Cavs got some. There was this one kid. He's in, he was injured a lot though. There was this one kid on the cast who lit us up that first game. 
I forgot his name. He was like a small forward, powerful type of guy. Mm. I wonder uh, if he's on Bobby, the table. Bobby Portis? Oh, you're talking about the Cavs. The, the Cavs, the Cavs. <laughs> Is it Osman? Oh, or? It, yes. It was Seti Osman, who was mentioned Osman. as a potential guy to come back to the Knicks, was Seti. I kind of deal with that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what his contract situation is, though. I don't know what his contract situation is, how much money he wants, or anything like that. I'm just just strictly straight off of what I've seen. Although I would like, I don't mind staying packed. I'm not going to hold you. I don't mind staying packed and just continuing to pour into the young guys. I want, because whoever we get in here, the first minutes I feel like are going to be compromised is going to be Deuce McBride's. And I've been liking the way Deuce McBride has been progressing slowly. So I'm pretty much okay with staying pat. Unless it's like a young, long wing. If we get a young, long wing in here, then I'm like, all right, cool. That's a priority over Deuce for me long-term. But if it's going to be like a vet who shoots, I'm cool on that. I'm cool. We can just keep it rolling with boots. Do a deuce. Ryan, how do you feel trade deadline wise in terms of what we should do? I mean, I would still like to strengthen the bench, but I'm not really like pressed over it. Like, you know, if the next day Pat, like, I wouldn't be upset. Like, because I, I do like McBride's progress as of late. And, and the bench has been playing better as of late as well. So it's like, you know, I would I like what I like for Knicks to improve the bench, of course. But you know, if they stay pat, I'm not I'm not against it. Wow, stop the presses. We all agree. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I feel we all the same agree. Way. It's like, what's the benefit? You heard me say this before. Like, if we're not winning a chip this year, and we're just trying to like grow the youth, win some games, get in the playoff, and make some noise, then I'd rather do that with the young core that we have and not step on any of the young core's toes unless you're bringing in another young piece who can be here long term then that's when i'm going okay we'll we'll do that so but i that's why i'm i'm cool with staying pat i'm dead yep um lee i want to ask you one question before we start to close did you hear we talked about we talked about um, R.J. Barrett before. We uh, stumbled into the conversation about Jeremy Grant um, maybe being available next season, thinking about moving him for, for R.J. or something like that. What would you feel about 100%. Jeremy Grant starting for the Knicks in place of R.J.? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think... RJ's ceiling can potentially be higher than what Grant is right now. And Grant's a very solid offensive player. Yeah. Um, has been for like the last four seasons, but it's his ability to guard literally all five positions on the floor. Yeah. Not at a super elite level, but higher than average. Some positions better than others, obviously, because of his skill set and the role that he's used to playing. But he's kind of like a, a mini Randall. He's a little bit, yeah. has a little bit more like lateral movement than randall and a little bit a higher iq defending the perimeter knowing you know when to hedge and when to drop but he reminds me of randall and his all-around skill set better than average passer better than average rebounder better than average score 
And to have him as your like Swiss Army knife at the three, dangerous. Yeah. I don't think it wins a championship, but man, it's a tough out. Tough out. That's a super. My thing, and the more I think about it, I'm just like, okay, RJ Barrett's passing ability to me is still like the one skill that we might need that I can see being higher than Jeremy Grant's long term. But like the the three point shooting, Grant got it. The switchability from one to five, Grant has it. He can post a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, that would be a super duper tough out. We's kind of talking about it. We will be like the modern Pistons. <laughs> like I feel like we'd be the yes. modern bad boys. Like, like seriously, we really think about it. Chauncey Billups missed the big shot. Yep, Jalen Brunson. Grimes, if we remember, I always talk about using Grimes more off screens. <laughs> Richard Hamilton, right there. We got freaking <laughs> Jeremy Grant can be freaking Tayshawn Prince on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Rashi Wallace and Julius Randle, and then we got Mitch and and, and Rashi and, and um Ben Wallace. Like that's like some modern, some modern. Yeah. Pistons thing. I don't know. That's crazy. Very true. Yeah, and my thoughts were like the same, pretty much the same as Lee's. Like, if if the Knicks were to make that move, like if you were to replace RJ in the lineup with Jeremy Grant, like it would be a very tough team. But I would still think that the Knicks would probably need if the Knicks are taking championship, they probably would need one more piece on top of that to solidify. It. What what piece would you need on like like scoring off the bench? Yeah, I would, I would definitely get a score off the bench. Like besides, I, besides, I just just one more guy that that's like a microwave off the bench. I think you would still need a a, a better star. This person, I think that that worked in 04 when the parity between really really talented teams and mediocre teams was wider. Now there's like a slight margin of error. Yeah. Every team has a really solid core. It's just whether they're over 30 or, or under 25. That's the difference now is like how old is your core? But almost every team in the NBA has like four or five really, really good players, uh, especially the contenders. Uh, so I, I think you would need a little bit more talent than just Jeremy Grant and like a, a Jordan Clarkson off the bench to win a championship. This league is too tough. And every year the good teams get even better, which makes it so difficult. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things like I'm always one is you always you always usually need that top 15 player. So we still wouldn't have that top 15, but we'll just Correct. have a bunch of like really fringe all stars on our team. But man, like who yeah. would be our competition, though? Because I'm thinking I'm like, all right, with that lineup, who would knock us out? Like that lineup, we, we match up with a lot of teams. A lot. Of I, 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 think, I think the Celtics currently constructed would still beat us. The yes. Celtics would still beat us. Um, probably, probably the Bucks. Yep. Bucks Celtics. Sixes, I sixes, I think would be a toss up. I say sixes. The sixes would be a toss up, I believe. So Bucks Celtics sixes. No Bucks Celtics. Yeah, I agree with that. Are the sh- for sure. Yeah, the Bucks and Celtics, I think, are the sure ones. I think Sixers would be a toss-up. I think that would be a tough seven-game series. Yeah, I very think so fair too. Like, imagine if we had Jeremy Grant versus the versus the uh, the Clippers. Probably like, that might be a different story. <laughs> yeah, 
The Cavs. I'm not. I'm not scared of Cavs now. With Jeremy Grant, I, I definitely wouldn't be being scared of the Cavs. That's now. why I, I think. I think we could beat him in the playoffs this year. Listen, Call me crazy. Put Jeremy Grant could. on on one of the little dudes and Mitchell or <laughs> it's a wrap for them. Like we would punish them. We would beat half of the league up. I really think the Celtics and the Bucks would be the real competition if that was our team, because those yeah. are the guys who have the length. Like. And even Toronto, Toronto now usually gives us problems. I feel like we would handle them a lot better too. I think Portland would require more than just RJ Barrett. I think it would take the first round pick as well. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, because he's averaging 20 points. He's shooting like 48% from the field, 40% from three. I think it would require a Knicks pick, RJ, and maybe another, like maybe a McBride or a Sims to go along with it. I do that. I do that all day. Me too. I do that. <laughs> Even sick, he's still roasting. <laughs> Gotta love it, man. Gotta love it. Uh, best on paper championship team ever, yeah. Jeez. Yep. Grand opening, grand closing. All right. <laughs> oh, man. I had fun going to work on the other day. I'm not going to hold you. I was strutting. Hell anymore. yeah. Strutting. Okay. Printed out the little paper and put it on his desk. All right, that is our show. I don't know if anything else, anybody else have any anybody has anything else to say. Any bra picks? I do have a bra pick actually. Okay, see, I'm glad I'm axed. Glad I'm axed. Yeah, tonight. Um, I believe it was the Bulls versus the Grizzlies. You got Andre Drummond. Oh man, yo. <laughs> So there was a play. <laughs> so there was a play, right? <laughs> I, I, I believe the Bulls got the Bulls got the steal, right? Mm-hmm. And my man and my man Andre Drummond was on the fast break, one on one. My guy did a euro step, and, he, and, and it looked nice. The euro step was nice. Then my man threw up the layup. <laughs> Yo, that ball went up, then down. Didn't even touch the rim. I was like, oh, oh my. Yeah. I got one. Last night's Houston Rocket game, uh, Sin Gun, their very talented center, did a nutmeg through the legs of one of the defenders. Jalen Green caught it in stride, <laughs> laid up, and just like what Ryan said, it missed the entire rim. Uh, yo, you messed up his sports sense of complete, oh, bro. complete air ball. That's crazy. You can't do that. And then you saw Steven Silas, a coach. <laughs> <laughs> after the game man embarrassed himself on the podium oh i think his time in houston is short that that whole situation is a bra pick yeah i feel bad for him man he looked like, he was talking like he lost the locker room i he's, think he did He was talking like he lost the locker room like he's about to be fired and it's just a matter of time but yeah mm, yeah all right good ones guys good ones guys that is our show Go to win Knicks. We finally beat. We, 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 I guess by the law of averages, we have to start winning clutch games eventually. Right? <laughs> Can't lose every clutch game. Right? Sure. <laughs> but that is our show. Next game is the 76ers. 76ers. I think we have like a guess. We have, I think we have a guess to that show too. So definitely tune in for Nick 76ers on Friday. All right. Cool. Lee, let them know where they can find you, sir. 
Follow me on Twitter uh, at underscore Lee Escobedo. I got a piece that came out, Cabra Sports, did my midseason predictions of who would win each of the end of the season awards. I'm going to drop that here in the chat. Nice. Always appreciate y'all's support. Support, support, support. Click that link in the chat. Support my guy, Lee Escobedo. Nasty, nasty, Lee Esco. I'm going to use that intro in a minute. All right. Ryan G, let him know where he can find you, sir. You can find me on Instagram at Sir G is chilling. Sir G is chilling. S I R G is C H I L N I. You can also find me at Sergi's Corner, Twitter, Ryan G K O T. And shout out to World Wide West. I know y'all saw him chilling in the cut because they because uh, there were many times where the camera panned out and what you saw World Wide West chilling in the cut. Shout out to World Wide West. Yeah, so you chilling in the cut with Drew Gooden. So I see World Wide West. You out here making a mess. I see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I tweeted. I think he's he hangs out in the tunnel of every single NBA game when they're on the road. There's a Dallas game. That's where he was in the tunnel. I think that's just his place to hang out and sign autographs. Um, <laughs> that's the thing. Okay. He'd be networking in the tunnel, man. Okay. Yep. All right. As long as you're staying in the tunnel and you're not in the stands when it's time for trade time, because we already know that <laughs> messed up the Donovan Mitchell situation. We don't need you facts. ruffling feathers. All right. All right. Cool. 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 So listen, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. That's where you listen to the Nick Thomas show. Everywhere you listen to podcasts, get those blue and orange and black and white snapbacks as well at the Nick show.com. Just hit that catalog button. When you're there, all the merch pops up. Also follow us on the KLT show on Twitter, Nick Thomas show on Instagram and the Nick Thomas show on Facebook as well good show guys and shout out to everybody in chat who's rocking with us we'll be back friday all right talking Knicks basketball and as always shout out the worldwide west everywhere we go we leave a worldwide mess mess out here in these Knicks youtube streets that's our show we out this month peace New York, big city of dreams. New York, New York, big city of dreams.